Again, good morning. Glad to see you all out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. He doesn't know it, but those last couple of songs are a couple of my favorites. Just Over in the Glory Land is one that I remember singing quite a bit as I was growing up. And it's just one of those songs that's always been peppy. And uh, whenever we were growing up, you know, we always sang it before the sermon. And we always stood before the sermon. And it's just one of the songs that I always thought was really powerful. Uh, I've always loved it. And then uh, the other song that, that he sang, number 500, uh, that's a song that has uh, really come to my attention, the wording of it, over the last, I guess, few months. We went to Gatlinburg not too long ago, uh, well, last year, and uh, the last time we went, we went into a shop, and they had a lot of signs in there, and uh, there was one in particular that caught my attention that said, Tune my heart to sing thy praise. And so I told Bruce, I, I really want, I don't usually want things whenever we go shopping. But every so often I do see something that I like. And that was one of the things that I liked. And I said, I want that. And so we got it. And it's hanging in my office. And the other day we went to Hobby Lobby. And uh, we were doing some shopping for school. And uh, I, we were just walking back to the registers. And uh, I ran into a sign that said, Bind my wandering heart to thee. I was like, that's the, the same song as the other sign that I had. So I wanted that one too. So for my birthday, she and my work wife went to Hobby Lobby and they, um, they found the sign. And so it's also hanging on the same wall in my office. So you might notice those. But I, was, I like that song. And I asked you to lead that Friday night. And I'm glad he led it today. But I love the, the wording of that song. And especially those two phrases really stand out in my memory now. Uh, tonight's lesson, keep in mind, will be on, that will be my Father's Day lesson. We're going to skip ahead in our one-word series to fathers, so you might study ahead for that. Uh, we'll save that one for tonight. Today's lesson, though, is the church that pleases God. Uh, we've been talking about the church that pleases God last week's lesson was on the church as it was established. And today's lesson is going to, to look in the book of Revelation at the church of Philadelphia. There are certain congregations that are mentioned by name that we are given certain details about that help us to understand what God is pleased with in His church. Of the seven churches that were written to in Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, only two received commendation. Only commendation. Rather than condemnation for sins that were committed against God. And one of these churches was the church of Philadelphia. And the other was the church of Smyrna. And next week I plan to look at the church of Smyrna. And what God was pleased with in that congregation. To... Begin this lesson, I think it would be inappropriate if we, we didn't have any kind of knowledge of the setting in, in which this church was. Um, to understand what we need to understand about the Church of Philadelphia, I wanted to use a quote from W.D. West, Jr. in a book entitled Revelation Through First Century Glasses. And this is what he said about the Church of Philadelphia or at least about the city. The city of Philadelphia was located 
about halfway between Sardis and Laodicea on one of the great international highways of the Roman Empire. Commerce from the east and from the west flowed along the highway that ran through the city of Philadelphia. The Roman armies marched up and down this highway conquering in the name of the mighty power of Rome. Eumenes, king of Pergamum in the second century BC founded the city and named it in honor of his brother Attalus whose loyalty earned him the title Thyladephus, something like that. It served as a great outpost of the Greco-Roman civilization in the Far East. It was strategically located in the valley of the Cogamus River in the area subject to frequent earthquakes. Philadelphia was a great city with open doors for the spread of the Greco-Roman civilization or any other ideas it wished to spread. Some other facts about Philadelphia. Philadelphia was most famous for its wines. Its coins bore the image of Baalpas, the god of wines. It was also known as Little Athens because of its temples and public buildings. Now our lesson objectives for this morning are first of all to learn what about this church made it pleasing to God. And secondly, to make these good characteristics to be characteristic of our home congregation in the present so that we too might be pleasing to God. Most of our lesson is going to come from verses 7 and 8 of Revelation chapter 3. I won't take the time to read the letter. We, we did that through our scripture reading. But going back to verse 7 of Revelation chapter 3. These things says he who is holy. He who is true. He who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts. And shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. As you'll notice, in most Bibles, these words are in red letters because these are the words of Jesus. Christ, the author of these letters, states his authority as both a son of David and the son of God. Uh, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. He is speaking by authority of both. In the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, we read this. And this is in the middle of the genealogy. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. 
Jesus came through the tribe of Judah. He came through the bloodline of David. And so we see a physical relation there between Jesus and David. So when he says, he who has the key of David, referring to himself, he is referencing that bloodline with David. From the standpoint of the Jews, as God's people, Jesus possessed the authority of the throne of David as an heir by blood. But even more importantly, through the power of God, Jesus had the authority to open doors that no one could close. He had set before this congregation an open door that no one could close. We might ask the question, why? Why was Philadelphia given this open door? Though the reason is not specifically stated, it is probably because of their past and current faithfulness at the time of the writing of the letter. I'm reminded of some of the words that are found in Matthew 25, verses 20 through 23. We're given a parable of the talents. You'll remember that three individuals, three servants, were given a number of talents. One was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. Uh, the ones who had the, the five and the two, they, they increased their talents, they doubled their talents before the coming of their master. And we hear these words from verse 20 of Matthew 25. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying... Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In verse 22, he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I believe that, that the church of Philadelphia was given this open door because they had used their opportunities well and wisely. Because they had done well with what they were given, doors were open to them that would otherwise be shut. And these doors were opened by the authority of Christ. In Paul's writings, he prays for and is thankful for doors of opportunity. Notice the words of Acts 14, 
verses 27 and 28. In his return with Barnabas to Antioch, in verse 27, Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. In recognition of the doors opened to him in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 through 9, Paul writes, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to see you a while, or to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul recognizes that the door opened to him did not come without opposition and difficulty. Again in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. Notice his request of the Colossians in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the Word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Our ultimate mission as Christians is to reach the lost with the message of the gospel. Mark 16, 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are expected to use our talents to further the gospel to the hearts of the lost. Every lost soul that is willing to hear the message is an open door of opportunity. Have we tried to tell others about Christ? Or do we try to rationalize our fear of rejection? Do we love each of the souls around us enough to tell them what they must do to be saved? Some are unwilling to hear. But for those who are willing to hear, are we willing to share that message with them? Remember the words of, of Matthew 25 and verse 21. Remember the commendation that is given to the servant who had done well. His Lord said to him, Well done, 
good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. If we want to be rewarded at the end of this life, we must be faithful with the doors of opportunity that are opened to us. With each opportunity acted upon, more opportunities will be given and there's no room for laziness in God's kingdom. When we are given doors of opportunity, it is up to us to use them wisely. Another thing that we notice about the Church of Philadelphia is not just the door of opportunity that had been opened to them. Let's look also at doing the will of God. In Revelation 3 and verse 8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. Have kept my word and have not denied my name. For you have a little strength. This is possibly recognizing their weaknesses, poverty, and or few members. Despite these things, this congregation had remained faithful. And that's something that, that is great to be said of any congregation. It doesn't matter the size of a congregation. It doesn't matter how many programs they offer. What God is pleased with is a, with a congregation that is faithful. A congregation that is doing. They were serving well and using every opportunity that was given them. And so they were given a door of opportunity that was opened to them because of their faithfulness. This congregation deserved the commendation that is given them for their faithfulness. We are told that they had kept my word. You see, Christianity is more than just believing. Belief is an important part of Christianity, our faith. It's centered on that belief, hearing and believing. But Christianity is more than just believing. You see, Christianity is a religion of doing and putting into action the Word given to us by God. We are told many times over to keep the commandments of God. Brought to the waters of Marah, the Israelites were told in Exodus 15 and verse 26, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Notice the second of the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 20 
verses 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Joshua's commendation of the Israelites found in Joshua 22, beginning with verse 1. Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Picking up with verse 5, but take careful heed to do the commandment of the law and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tent. And finally, in the story of the rich young ruler, Matthew 19, beginning with verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, he was told to sell his possessions, which he was unwilling to do. There are many who believe themselves to be right with God based on only their faith in Him. But if we are unwilling to keep His word The plan of salvation must be acted upon to become a faithful Christian. Not only hearing and believing, but also obeying in repentance, confession, and baptism. And without these actions, one cannot be saved. Remaining faithful to Christ requires action, as is evidenced in the Church of Philadelphia. Christians must be active in keeping the commands of God. There are many people today that think they are saved 
based on their belief in God. James 2 clearly says that even the demons believe and tremble. The church of Philadelphia was commended because they had kept the Word of God. Not just in memory, but they had kept it in action. We understand that without action in the life of a Christian, we're not pleasing God. For you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Denial may come as it did with Peter, who when asked about knowing Christ, denied his relationship with him. Denial may also come in the form of, of never speaking of Jesus, of never sharing with those outside of the faith the message of Christ and salvation through him. How does Jesus feel about denial? Turn for a moment to Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33. Matthew 10, verse 32, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. When we publicly recognize Jesus before others, we can rest assured that we will be recognized by the Father in judgment. Failure to confess Christ before men will result in our own denial in the day of judgment. God's denial of us. Keep in mind that denial is attached to keeping the word. In Revelation 3 and verse 8. There are many who don't deny knowing Him publicly, per se. But they do deny Him in failure to keep His commandments as they are given. There are many who do things that they think God is pleased with based on the assumption that He's, he's happy with these things. Because I'm happy, he's happy. But God has given his commands. He's given us his word. He's given us everything that we need to know. And if we don't follow his word the way that he wants us to, we cannot be pleasing to him. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
keep in mind that these people, they thought they were doing what was right. Uh, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? They thought they were doing what was right. But they were not doing the will of God. And so these words came to them in verse 23. I never knew you. That wording is very interesting to me. It wasn't that, that he had known them at one time and had forgotten who they were. Because their intentions were not on serving God, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. To deny the Word is to deny God altogether. And it's not based on word of mouth as much as it is on doing. And so many people forget the importance of doing the will of God. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength have kept my word. And have not denied my name. The church of Philadelphia was faithful. They pleased God. We should seek to have those same characteristics applied to us. We should see our doors of opportunity as doors of opportunity. And use them wisely. Use them to share the message of the gospel. It's not dependent on the elders of a congregation. It's not dependent on the minister of a congregation. It's dependent on every member of the church. We all need to be involved in sharing the gospel. As we look at the commendation of the church of Philadelphia because of their faithfulness, we read these verses these verses 9 through 12. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Those outside of the faith would recognize without doubt their faithfulness to God. Verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. In their time of difficulty, they would be provided with strength to overcome their adversities. Remember that when Paul was talking about the door of opportunity that was given to him and to the people of God, he recognized in one of those passages that there was still adversity. There was still difficulty to be faced. 
That's not completely taken away, but God does help us to deal with those adversities and those difficulties. He will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. When we deal with difficulty, we recognize that we don't deal with it alone. But we face it with God. Verse 11, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. They were encouraged to continue in their faithfulness to God. You see, obedience to the plan of salvation, that's just a step in the right direction. Repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins, that doesn't make us Christians alone. But we must continue in faithfulness. And the church of Philadelphia did that. And so they were told to continue. To be ready when Jesus was to appear. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. In verse 12, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who overcomes will be recognized as one of God's own children belonging completely to him. Uh, just as we might wear a, a family name, uh, our last names uh, give reference to a certain family, uh, a certain tribe of people, if you will. And just as we might wear a, a family name, as in belonging to a certain bloodline, so we will wear the name of God, as in belonging to Him. I won't wear the name Webb anymore. That, that bloodline won't matter when it comes to eternity. We're given a new name as in belonging to God. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As we look at what the, the Spirit said to the church of Philadelphia, these are words of great importance. It's a great example for us to follow. To use our opportunities wisely. That even though we may have a little strength, we can keep the faith, just as the church of Philadelphia did. We can keep the commandments of God. We can keep His Word. And not deny Him. Remember that denial is twofold. Uh, denial may come in an outright saying of, I don't know God. That's what Peter did. 
But it may also come because we're not doing God's will. We need to make sure that we're doing God's will. If we are not doing God's will, then we are not pleasing to Him. So we want to make sure that, that the Mars Hill congregation, that this congregation of the Lord's church that meets today, we want to make sure that this congregation is faithful, just as the church of Philadelphia was. Uh, the characteristics that were said of them, we want them to be said of us as well. I encourage you as Christian. You see, the church can't remain faithful if individual Christians within it can't remain faithful. So I encourage you to remain faithful to the end. If you're not a child of God, if you need to come in obedience, obeying the gospel, and baptism for the remission of your sins, if you need to take care of that in, in your life and make sure that you are right with God, then please do so. If you're not a faithful child of God, if you need to come back and rededicate your life to Him, if there is some way that we can help you, know that we love you and that we care for you. And we'll be glad to assist you in any way that we can. If you'll please come. As together we stand and as we stand. Our God, gentle Lord.